the point that I think Jesus is making in the gospel that we just heard is that a servant who only does what's expected, who only does what's expected, who only does what he or she is obligated to do, isn't really worthy of any special of commendation. I mean, it's the servant who goes above and beyond the call of duty that's worthy of praise. He's speaking to you and I with this parable. We are God's servants. God made us in his image to know, love, and serve him. So how faithful are we to God in our service? What obligations do the two great commandments to love God and to love our neighbor impose upon us? And are we fulfilling those obligations? There are very many things, certainly, that we're obliged to do in life, and we sin when we fail in those obligations. But if all that we do as Christians is what we're obliged to do, then we're very poor Christians indeed. So how do we go above and beyond the obligations of the spiritual life? Well, St. Augustine observes that there are two aspects to our spiritual lives as Christians. The first is to do good, to actively do good. The other one, the second one, is to endure evil. We're called to both do good and to endure evil. And we focus a lot on the importance of doing good, as we should, right? And that's natural. Doing good is what we're obliged to do. God made us good, and he made us to do good. So doing good is part of our nature. We're expected to do good. But we don't hear as much always about why it's important that we should also endure evil. And if you think about it, the fact that we have to endure evil things, by which I mean just putting up with this imperfect world, right? That's something that goes above and beyond what we were made to do. And that's because God didn't make evil. He didn't make us evil. He didn't make this world evil. We introduced evil into the world when we rebelled against God. And we reintroduce a little evil into the world every time we sin. God allows this. He allows evil because he's able to bring good out of it. But he doesn't will evil directly. And so evil was not anything that we were ever meant to have to put up with. But it's something that we have to learn to do. We have to learn to tolerate in this life because we live in a fallen world. Right? Until you and I arrive in heaven and we achieve the end of our hope, we're going to experience evil one way or the other. And so we have to learn to endure it in such a way that it doesn't become an obstacle to our progress in holiness. That is to say, we have to learn to endure evil with patience and with gentleness and with charity. So broadly speaking, there are two ways in which we're called to endure evil, or two types of evil that we're called to endure. One is when an evil is actively being performed against us. Someone is doing us harm. And we can experience this in the form of oppression or in the form of persecution. 
Some of us experience bigotry because of the color of our skin, or maybe because of the language that we speak, or the economic bracket that we occupy. But all of us, all of us in this church can expect at some point in our lives to experience persecution because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus promises this when he says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you in John's gospel. But then he also says in Matthew's gospel, blessed are you when you are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Your reward will be great in heaven. So the inevitability of this persecution doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight against injustice as much as we're able to, but we have to recognize there will be situations in life when we're simply not able to right certain wrongs, that no matter what we do, we find ourselves subject to persecution or with evil inflicted upon us. In fact, very often standing up for what is right, standing up for justice, is what leads to that persecution. So on those occasions when we can't escape these evils, we're called to persevere, knowing that our hope is not in this world. It's in the next, when Christ's reign will be fully realized. But until then, we have to allow Christ to continue to reign in our hearts. In other words, what we have to do is wait and trust in the Lord. Trust that he knows what he's doing. Trust in his timing. When we remember that Christ himself was persecuted, it reminds us that when we suffer persecution for the sake of Christ, it's a cause for us to rejoice because it means we're becoming more like our Lord. And that seems impossible to us. It seems like a paradox. How can you rejoice in the face of persecution? And it would be impossible on our own. But God doesn't ask us to endure evil alone. This is why St. Paul, who himself boasted in other places in his writings that he was content with insults and content with hardships and persecutions, he writes in his letter to Timothy that you should bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. Not with your own strength, because your own strength will fail but with the strength that God will give you, which cannot fail. So if we rely on God's strength rather than our own, then we can do things that seem impossible, like moving a mountain with faith the size of a mustard seed. And there's a second way that we're called to endure evil in this life. And it's not as severe as when someone is actively being malicious against us, causing us harm, or when we're suffering persecution. But it is much more common. It happens when we experience the absence of a good that we desire. And in fact, that's how St. Thomas Aquinas defines evil. He defines it as the lack of a good that ought to be present. We all experience this. From the time that we're little kids and we're waiting to open up our Christmas presents or our birthday presents, you know, we start to learn what it means to want something that's good, but to be told you can't have it yet. And we learn the virtue of patience. And as adults, we know that there are many good things that we might want that we just can't have, or that we can't have yet, right? 
Maybe I want to get a college degree. That's great. Maybe I want to get married. Maybe I want a better job. Maybe I want a promotion. Maybe I want recovery from an illness or an injury. Maybe I want to be reunited with a lost loved one. There are all kinds of good things that we might want that we can't have or can't have yet. And when we pray to God for these things, very often the answer we get is, yes, but not now. Yes, but not yet. And so we have to trust and wait in God's timing. The ultimate delayed good that we all wait for is heaven. The ultimate delayed good that we all have to wait for is heaven. We're all called to practice patience until the new creation is realized and that all of us, when all of us as members of Christ's body will experience that glory of the resurrection and enter into that perfect world. But until then, we have to wait in this imperfect world for how long, we don't know. But as Habakkuk reminds us, what seems like delay for us is truly not delay. God is never late. His timing is always perfect. So patiently trusting in God as we experience the lack or the absence of a good that we long for. That's the most common, the most universal way that we're called upon to endure evil. And it's also perhaps the one we're the worst at. We like to complain. Only rarely, thank God, are we called upon to endure great hardships with courage. And we pray to the cur- for the courage to rise to the task, should that arise. But all of us routinely are called every day to endure those minor irritations of life with patience, especially the ones that we experience in the small imperfections of our friends, our family, and ourselves. And instead of allowing this lack of perfection that we experience to be an obstacle to our faith, we should learn to embrace these daily opportunities to grow in patience. Because to be patient is to be like God, who is patient with us, who goes above and beyond the demands of justice by enduring our daily imperfections with great mercy. God's patience is for our salvation. And if we endure the sufferings and the trials of this brief life with the strength that God gives us, that is to say, with patience and with charity, then we can with confidence look forward to rejoicing forever with him in that perfect world to come.